Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. We're back to review everything feeder series-wise from Le Castellet, which this time involves Formula 2 and W Series. I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Jesse Billington. How the heck are you? I mean, you said Le Castellet, but Ellie May's got a cat on the table, so it's more Le Castellet. Uh, sorry, I had to fit that one in there. I'm doing well, thank you. You've um, just revoked all your privileges for this evening, so Ellie May, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And Lola's good too. See, that is how you reference a cat. None of this horse Jesse. Anyway, what the hell has happened? Not a lot in the news. Well, there's some F3 stuff, but we don't really need to talk about that because there's no F3 stuff to talk about. Uh, Ralph Boschong is still out, though. Roberto Mary is still in. Um, and that's kind of it on the news front. There wasn't an awful lot I can think of off the top of my head that I remember seeing. It's just... That's the situation. Um, I think David Beckman is still there. I forget, or was Jake Hughes back? I forget. No, Jake um, was Jake Hughes was back. Jake Hughes was back. So it's all good. And we can pretty much just launch straight into our winners and spinners in a second, which qualifying the sprint and the feature race were all pretty decent on the whole. There wasn't any, and there wasn't a block boring race. You could have been forgiven by watching the highlights if you thought it was more action-packed than it perhaps was, but that was more down to the safety car aspect of the future race in particular, I think. Um, and overall, it was a pretty solid weekend of racing, wouldn't you say? It, yeah, it was pretty good, really. I mean, there was some good action in both the feature and the sprint. I missed out on the sprint race because I was at an Austin 7 Centenary event in Gloucestershire, so I ended up watching it on catch-up on Sunday morning. Um, before watching the feature so I sort of almost had an F2 double bill which was quite nice and yeah just another one of those sort of good F2 races not necessarily hella chaotic as we've sometimes been treated to quite mature so the feature race if that hadn't had an early-ish safety car that could have been a classic race I think because it was just pure mayhem but of the brilliant variety that we kind of know and love F2 for but it kind of it stalled then and didn't really there was action later on and good few overtakes and another safety car, but it, was, it wasn't it was quite on the same caliber, unfortunately. So it was a case of what if, which does kind of seem to just sum up France in general. Yeah, it was a bit of a French race in that regard. I mean, for my, my notes for the sprint are quite short in all fairness. Um, Lawson, amazing driving to pass Armstrong, good battle with him. And then again, another brilliant pass on De Ruvula. Um, Bad day to be Marcus Armstrong. But I, I think that, for me, Marisat wrapped up the F2 sprint as it was. And yeah, I mean, Marcus Armstrong, we don't mention him in our notes later on for winners and spinners, but everything to play for. And it was looking so good from in the sprint race. And then it just got one thing after another. And it was like someone had just picked up a series of abortion events and thought, well, let's do all 13 books in one go right now to him for, for reasons that I, even I can't fathom because he's a nice enough chap. Um, and just really unfortunate. And then feature race, I think he just got punted out, didn't he? It wasn't even a mechanical thing. It was just kind of wrong place, wrong time. And that was him just done. Yeah, I definitely remember him taking some contact in the feature race. So not a good weekend for him all in. But yeah, I mean, even Lawson's pass on Darubal, you've got to get up pretty early to pass Darubal was... in a car that he's comfortable in. And it was a blinder of a move, really. I, I do wonder if George Russell was watching that and took inspiration for it for when he was trying that on Checo in the F1 Grand Prix later, because it did seem very, I was like, wait, I've seen this before. 
it's uh, the um, Leonardo DiCaprio sort of sits up. Hey, 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 hey. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, just some absolutely fantastic driving. And I mean, all I'll move into my F two feature notes. And I think at this point, I'm going to have to play some celebratory music, or at least like some party poppers will go off because he's <laughs> finally done it, boys. It was a win. We've been waiting for a good while for this one. Tenth winner in F two this season, which says a lot about the fun season we're actually having in F two. Quite an Which is even more amusing when you consider how dominant Drogovic is. Yeah, when you, especially at the early doors of the season, Drogovic was mopping up points left, right, and centre. You were not getting a foot in the door. But we've now had ten winners, and Iwasa tenth on the list. Amazing stuff. Um, eight second lead coming over the line, which again goes to show that on his day when it's gone right for him, there's often been a few little things that hold him back. And he did say that in his press conferences afterwards. There's always it's never been a sort of good weekend for him to really lay down, lay down a competitive race. This weekend it came together for him and he flew through that feature race and yeah, gutted for Dylan as well. I think is also in my notes, really good drive, but just yeah. that forced error in battle didn't pay off for him. The wacky strategy for Drugovic though, we mentioned him a little bit earlier when he sort of had that long string of wins he nearly paid off for him. One more lap and Drugovic would have really come back. He somehow had a longer stint on the softs than he did on the hards, I think, mm. which is kind of crazy. But again, but again he's, he's one of these drivers who, I can't remember which race it was, but he made the softs just last and last. And it just kind of, this whole thing of this is someone who, when you look at the other drivers who have been in F2 for as long as he has now, is kind of like, what is your excuse for not being capable of doing this? Because he's, he's kind of the equivalent of Checo on being tired with the Formula 2. And it was just great to see. So it's kind of, it's impressive, but not surprising at the same time that if it was going to be anyone doing that, it's Drogovic. I want to say it was something like Saudi that he might have done. It. Yeah, it feels like, I, I can't think. We'll, we'll, I'll ask inside F2, they'll know something, they'll know. They'll know, but either way, yeah, kind of a wacky strategy. He made it paid up, pay off for him, and it, it worked for him. I don't know what he did, but it worked. And he sort of had a bit of a drop in form lately, and it, this gave me hope that potentially that form's coming back. We'll have to wait and see because it's kind of a long wait until we really conclude the F two season. We obviously have them. Yeah, in- we've got a, we've got a big patch of it in Spas and Water Monster, I think. Um, yeah. But then we've got a stupendously long two month gap until Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Um, which it's going to be interesting to see what that does to the drivers um, after being so long out of the car. And we kind of had that a bit last year as well. I think there was quite a big gap. So um, it shouldn't make any difference, but it'd be very interesting to see how, if it's, if it's closing up in the championship, that could do as a result. But before we go into the winners and spinners, I also want to say that Lawson and Oasa winning one race apiece this weekend, and then both in the race they didn't win, having solid enough results it kind of shows that Red Bull still have this issue of having too many drivers and not enough seats, but Lawson and Owasa are showing that they are the creme de la creme at the moment because Drew is on his last legs, let's face it. if he, I feel like the only reason he's having the McLaren test drives is because that's the closest he's going to get to an F1 car anytime soon. That's just going to be some Indian money paying his way in there. And fair enough, have a nice time. But I don't think if he's going anywhere with McLaren, it's going to be Formula E or IndyCar. It's not going to be Formula One. They're not They're not. If they're, if they're going to replace Daniel Ricciardo, which they're not, it's not going to be with Darugula when they've got all these other drivers around them. And it's 
the less that's said about him, the better. And he's having a tough time, bad time, but anyway. So on on and off track. So he's out of the contention there. I don't think Red Bull will necessarily take him back unless he does something. He saves some cats out of a burning building or something. Um, Hauger, he needs another year in F2. It's it's. I'm kind of glad he's had a a tough year. He's had good moments, but I'm glad it wasn't another Oscar Piastri in that sense because then we've got two drivers who are exceptional and we don't know what to do with them because we can't put them anywhere. Um, so I'm glad we're kind of having a, a delayed fuse on him. But it's if Alpha Tauri do decide they want to switch one or both of their drivers, if they decide, fuck it, <laughs> then Lawson in a while, for 2023, is not inconceivable. It's really not inconceivable at all. And... I mean, that's the problem. We've got some really good drivers coming up through F2 at the moment, and it is that question of where the hell do you put them? I mean, equally on my list from the feature race, um, Teo Porcher came home brilliant. Was he third place, second place? I can't remember. Third place in the sprint, and then he got a five-second penalty for something or other. I can't remember what it was, which, again, frustrating. It happened so long after that cool race. Why? Mm. We've got to, again, mention the stewards not doing that one bloody job. Um, or doing the job and taking too long at it. Yeah. But then he did finish properly on the podium in the feature race in second place, and it stayed that way. And it yeah. was a good drive by him. It was a good drive, but also it was the support he received as well. He's really ingrained his sort of self himself. Oh, home race. Home race for him. Obviously, there was a brilliant moment, which was him and the Dams pit crew out on the sort of start finish straight with the crowd seeing the French national anthem and you're just looking at it going, oh, it's just dudes being dudes. It's amazing. And it's just that moment where you go, no, I can see him being in Formula One. I don't know where, I don't know which team. but Alfa Romeo is the only place that he's got links to. He's got links to it. How long? I don't know where. Bottas can stay there for as long as he wants, I think. So it would be Joey replaces, but I don't see that happening. I don't, I think... He'll stay in Formula 2 for another year. And then that gives Joe a year to prove himself and to make sure that he learns his lessons from this year and takes it up a notch. If not, I don't know where we'd put Joe in that situation. And we're, again, we're going to be having a crazy wall full of arrows and string and all kinds of stuff, which I feel like we should create at some point just for the social media side of things. It would be quite amusing. But I think he's doing a decent enough job. We thought he would be a lot better this year and he's kind of done a reverse Nick Schumacher in terms of he had a instead of having a duff first year and a better second year he's done a really good first year and then a duff second year so maybe third year then it just kind of he does a drug a bit Mm, finds his feet and yeah it's it's been annoying sort of watching the ups and downs of Teo Borcher last season amazingly strong this season I wouldn't say he's not been amazingly strong. He's taking the fight to Drogovic at the top of the Champions at the top of the Champions League. That's football at the top of the league of the Championship. But it's just been so sort of chaotic and F2-ish at times that occasionally it hasn't seemed like it. And, and you've got someone like Logan Sargent who can just come out of nowhere and be like, no, you know what? I want that second place. Yeah, that's the thing. Logan Sargent has come out of literally nowhere and started chasing down and messing with the top in, of the... In, in true Florida man style, he's just kind of emerged from a swamp and gone, right, let's have it. <laughs> Florida man wins F2 championship. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be unheard of. I mean, although I do get a few more notes on um, Logan Sargent later on when we get into our spinners. So I think we ought to, before we go on for too long about this, move into our winners and spinners section. So... 
we've mentioned both your winners already so far, Vesti and Lawson. We didn't really mention Vesti that much, but... We um, mentioned Helga, but not Vesti, yeah. Yeah, which Helga is not on my, my winners list at all, but we'll get we'll get to him later on. But yeah, Vesti, it was, again, I think, last time we were reviewing F2, I was giving him a bit of tough love, and once again, it's worked. So I'm going to double down and say, you know what, third, not good enough, mate. Get on that. Get your thumb out and get a bit more on that. Um, but that being said, well done for having a decent weekend overall. So I think he finished in the points in the sprint race as well, if I remember correctly. And then a third place in the future race. It is nice. And just it's that reassuring thing for Mercedes to show the worst. I don't know where they would put him. Probably Williams, if they do want to put him in F1 in the next couple of years. I don't think it's going to be next year, but maybe 2024. They could stick him in a Williams if Button Navy is going with that. Um, but it's nice to see there is there are signs of that development happening and it's not just him fizzling out and that because he's a nice chap, but it's again, it's the thing that we, or at least I frequently say on probably all of our podcasts is that it doesn't matter how much you like the driver when it comes down to the business end of it, they've got to be good. And I don't care how much you like them. That doesn't mean that you should sign them up just because they're a nice person. Um, They've got to have the goods to go with it. And it's, I'm glad that he's showing that it's, I mean, I don't think he was that, doing that badly anyway, but it's good that he's getting back up to the top end of things. Yeah, I mean, similar sort of vein with mine. Again, Liam Lawson, I've been sort of jotted down as my winner. I've mentioned all my sort of previous notes for it, but again, he he sort of proved why he's in the seat, why he's doing what he needs to be doing. And again, he's proved he's more than just a good character. And yeah, it's... He is kind of sadly running out of time a bit as well, though. So it's... He's doing it at just the right time now, but he needs to have a stonking last few rounds at the same time if you want. Because again, do you put him in F2 again for next year and he's kind of stuck in a derivative situation? Do you do with him what you did to Alex Because I do think he has some DTM experience, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so do you stick him in there for, for a season and to well random out of it? Or do you try what has been the more favoured group by some other F2 drivers of years gone by and put him in IndyCar for a season? I mean, who have we got in F- IndyCar at the moment from F2? We've got... Callum Mylott and Christian Lungard. Lungard, both over there. Haven't heard any news on them coming back to F1, though. That's the problem. Mm, I- but also, they were never... Um, Lungard was with the Alpine Academy, and that's already a little bit trucker. And then it was Pilot with the Ferrari Academy. Which but again, you've got a couple of drivers there that are in F2 who are in the program, and they're not going to get anywhere near it anytime soon. So I think with Red Bull, even if it's just Helmut Marko embracing his true Game of Thrones persona and just wielding that axe madly next year for Alpha Tauri, you could see all of them in there <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um, so having, having him in IndyCar, I feel like it wouldn't be the end of the world for him as it would be for Eilat and Ungard, who okay. I think should stay there because I feel like you've done nicely there and you've got a good break. And at the same time, if Lawson does well in IndyCar, as nice as Formula One is, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Okay, if I were to put it to you this way, you're Liam Lawson and you get to the end of this season. I don't think F another season in F2 is right because you could stagnate. Where would you, if you were in that position, go? If I had the choice, I would go IndyCar if I couldn't get into F1 because it's at least a step up in machinery. So you're racing on three different kinds of track if you want to um 
high speed, lots of challenges, lots of experienced drivers around you and a whole other kind of environment where you can mature and get better at your racecraft. And depending which team you're in, you can have two, one or two teammates in there who will probably be more experienced than you, I'd hope anyway. Um, and you can just get as much out of them as possible. So even if you're only there for a year and you come into Alpha Terran 24, you are then potentially in a really great mindset and you could do what Albon has kind of done for Williams this year and reset and he's not got this worry of being in a Red Bull. He's just doing his own thing and maybe that's exactly by that point what Alpha Terry will need because if Gasly and Sonoda stay there for next year and it doesn't get much better, they may just think, right, we just need to have a clean sweep and he would be perfectly poised to bring that fresh energy in then with someone like Iwasa who at that point maybe becomes second or third in the F2 Championship if he doesn't win it next year. And you've got that perfect balance. So slightly older and mature and more well-rounded with, we've got to really, we've, we've replaced one Japanese driver with another, but they are bloody quick. Hmm. Sort of treat IndyCar more as a finishing school for Formula One drivers mm. and use it. Well, it's the whole thing of the more different kind of series you go in, the more well-rounded as an overall driver you should be. So... I think that's a fair shout to take. And yeah, yeah that's, that's good. That's quite a wholesome winners from us. It's not, not quite as praise. We can be nice. We can be nice. There's a lot of constructive feedback in there. Um, conversely, spinners, uh, you have gone for Dennis Hauger. Yeah, continuing on the uh, Red Bull Academy train there, Dennis Hauger just, I think it was, he came 13th in one of the races and relatively similar position in in the sprint, I think if it wasn't the third, there were a game 13th, and it just was a bit of a duff weekend overall for him. And we know he's a good driver. He absolutely dominated Formula 3, but at the same time, that it kind of goes back to you're only as good as your last race. And he's having a bit of a steep learning curve that he can't just, like I was saying earlier, repeat what Piastri did and just waltz into F2 and be like, hello, this is mine now. Um, and I don't know what it was about France that just didn't do it for him, but it just kind of, it, it just seemed, it had a bad qualifying and it just didn't improve from there. So that's just, it's, it's, I'm hoping I can do with him what I did for Vesti and we'll just fix him for Budapest. But uh, that's all I'll say on him. What about you? Who is your spinner for Le Castellet? My spinner, and this is not down to any of his fault, is Logan Sargent. And purely because of the absolute dog luck he had in the feature race. I was sitting down having my coffee. I had a bacon sandwich. I was sitting in the garden, living my best life, thinking, oh, Sargent's coming through. He's looking quick. This is looking good. Come on. Comes into pit. Seems to suffer a transmission issue. Stall's coming into his box. And I'm like, that's cool. They can just restart him. That'll be fine. But then he can't get any gears. He's got a box full of neutrals. And basically the clutch completely obliterated itself coming off the start line at the beginning of the race. And you don't use the clutch for shifting when you're going through the race, just pedal shifts up and down, up and down. But then coming into the box and pulling away again, you're clutching to come out of the pit box in first. And as a result, he couldn't engage any gears. And honestly, that was horrendous he had been on such a flyer building up a good head of steam big points sort of the last couple of races as well yeah over the past couple of races he's been building up a head of steam big sort of field group of points coming in and really sort of pulling him into the contention for the front end of the championship and then the feature race just sort of undid it for him and galling absolutely galling 
Yeah, it's, it's not what we needed at this point of the, the, the championship. But at the same time, the only saving grace I can say from that is that we can still kind of count it as a rookie mistake because somehow this is only his first season in Formula 2. Yeah, he's at least got time on his side, which is good. Mm. We're not expecting him to win it, but we also wouldn't be terribly surprised. But he, at the same time, if he does do it, and if you do not want to be drug rich then because all of your hopes and dreams have gone down the toilet. Yeah, it's it'll be a tricky one to take if you're Drogovic. If he if he comes second to Drogovic, fair enough. That's one yeah. hell of a way to enter F2 and stamp your name on it and say new generation of American drivers coming through, beep beep. And mm-hmm. yeah. Pass. look over here. I think we've been by wrong. that point, 2024, because yeah. you have to win in 2023. So it's enough time on his side there. I think so far we've been robbed of a Haas in a full Stars and Stripes livery. And I reckon if we get Logan Sargent in there, it's... Alexander Rossi is a reserve driver. Let's just really go for it. <sighs> just chef's kiss. Which, talking of chef's kiss, let's get into W Series, because that was back again this weekend after Silverstone being last round where we have them. And... I don't know about you too, but I quite enjoyed this. This more more for, for France, it was better than I thought it was going to be. So I had a nice time with it. I still think there's there's the obvious improvements we want to make W Series overall that I still think are issues. But for what we have right now, I think we had a nice time with it. I think it was a good race. It was pretty action packed, but at the same time, half of it was under the safety car. Yeah, that, that is one of the issues I have, though, which I wanted to bring up with you, actually, deliberately, because you watch Formula E, and whenever there is an incident there, they have extra time, and they add it on. I don't see why we can't have this here, um, because it would already know me that we um, don't have laps, and it's a time, because it's the only one in the F1 weekend that has a time thing, whereas with Formula E, they have time anyway but they had extra time if the safety car is too long or whatever, and they have enough juice in the car to be able to deal with that, which obviously you kind of have to still account for in W Series. But again, I don't see why we can't have something like that. They used to do that in Formula E. Now they just stop the clock, which... But, well, same same yeah. thing, same argument then. I'll, I'll, um... I'll take either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think... I mean, with Formula E, it's a bit easier because you have more electricity, like battery power, to be able to like do that. It's going to be harder when you have to fuel. For the Could race. that be then a, a reason to try and bring a bit of technological advancement to the W Series cars and bring that electrical side into a bit more, maybe through Curzo or something, um, and then at least you've got, um, but you're not, but if we have it in this case, you're prevented from using it until the second half of the race where you will need more extra time potentially towards the end. So then you'll need that power to compensate and it could be quite an interesting spin there to keep W Series from stagnating. Yeah, no, I agree because it just, the safety car took up, obviously we had two, so that took up Mm. half the racing. Then, yeah, there wasn't enough. And, and we were kind yeah. of lucky we got as much close racing after that as we did because it could have been quite quite boring otherwise. Yeah, it was essentially like if W Series had a sprint, it would have been yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, yes, I guess 
it's difficult because on the one hand, yes, something perhaps in those situations needs to be done, but I don't know what, because... Have the Monaco marshals train everyone because they're the only quick marshals on the F1 circuit, on the F1 calendar. You, do you put m- more fuel in? Do you overfuel the cars or do you introduce sort of the MG UK units from F1 and basically hybridize the rest of the feeder series because it increases the sort of um, efficiency of the cars no end. With the F1 cars, they are some of the most efficient fuel-using cars on the planet when we speak about sort of combustion fuels. If you trickle that down as the concept of the technology is supposed to trickle down from Formula One, it would be good to also see feeder series get a chance to properly sort of wrangle with hybrid powertrains because it's good. otherwise it's a big jump to make when you eventually go for F2 don't run hybrid units, do they? No. No, so it's a big jump going from F2 to F1. If you get introduced to a hybrid unit earlier on in a feeder series, I reckon that's probably a good thing as it gives you more chance to learn and learn how to sort of use battery deployment and use sort of regenerative braking to balance out a system. So I reckon that, yeah, there's there's some merit in basically expanding the way that W series runs so it's not limited when you have things like safety cars come out and at the same at the end of the day it is a feeder series we sort of don't necessarily moan when we have crazy action in f2 and f3 we praise it for being very f2 and f3 when there's crashes and safety cars and safety cars breed safety cars but then when you're time limited like you are with w series all of a sudden all it results in is a bit of a damp squib when there's not actually a lot of time to go racing it did for me what the feature is in f2 did it just kind of we were on the trot for having quite a bit of fun and it just kind of got stagnated and if it wasn't quite frankly for court down then we probably wouldn't have had as exciting a rest of the race as we did so I think as well it would be good to get some sort of uh, energy system in because then I think that opens up the door for women in Formula E as well because then mm. they, they can then learn how well, to... you, you remind me there that McLaren, with their interest in W Series and the fact that they're getting a Formula E team next year, makes me think that maybe they look at some of the drivers in W Series currently, not for their own team in W Series, but rather who are the drivers that are experienced but are unlikely to progress just because of the unfortunate ways their careers have gone through no fault of their own. And maybe you get Kim Alainen in Formula E as maybe they have it as one male and one female, but you have a stepping stone at least. And then you've got these two older drivers in McLaren, in Emma Gilmore, who's an extremely and Emma Kim Alainen. There's a pattern there. Um, and you get them to then train the next lot. Maybe the Chloe Chambers, the Emily Dehus, the Bianca Bustamantes of W Series a bit. And they can kind of incorporate them into their ever, ever expanding. Uh, driver lining up and it opens the door so much more for at the very least tests in F1 and IndyCar whereas if, if you may not get there but at least again you have the all randomness that just now talked about earlier for, for Lawson um, so I think yes to agree with you we're agreeing a lot in this episode and I'm suspicious of it but I'm enjoying it at the same time yeah I mean we just need more doors open for for women so yeah I definitely welcome that 
I just, I also think we need some form of like funding for sort of either you get like you get your seat funded for F2 or. Yeah, I mean, it brings us back to the Jamie Chadwick question of if the, if the lass who wins two championships on the bounce and has a perfect score so far. And I mean, look at the championship points difference. It's ridiculous. I mean, Jamie Chadwick won 25, Abby Pullin 53 in second place. It's just, we thought Max Verstappen's lead was ridiculous in Formula One. Um, I'd like the idea of the equal machinery. She absolutely wipes the floor with them, but that's a different conversation. Um, it kind of, again, takes the piss of this out of what the point is in it, in having WCs if, if Chadwick can't even get up to the very least F3. And that's the problem of Jamie is currently stagnant and she's not getting any more points towards her super license mm. either. You only get one year of super license in W Series and that's it. So how is this benefiting her? It's it's the least worst option because the alternative is she doesn't go anywhere. She at least gets to be proving that she is the best in W Series. And if and when it sorts itself out as a championship, arguably then she should be the most successful driver in its history because no one else should theoretically be there long enough in the future to be able to beat it. Yeah, and then was it IndyCar, Tatiana? Yes. She got her sponsorship taken away, so they just... Like, well, yeah, I mean, she was. I don't know if it was at which point it was taken away because I knew she wasn't doing every race anyway, um, which a lot of the drivers do tend to do up there as it is. But it's again very frustrating that she's been, she was with Alfa Romeo for ages and she was doing a lot of work with them. And she goes to IndyCar, and you've got, you've got the people like these two at the top of their respective fields for leading the charge and opening the door. And it's still somehow getting slammed in their faces and you just, again, you think, well, what the hell do they have to do? You know, it, it's it's ridiculous. And I mean, Rosberg, Nico put up a, a nice post uh, on Instagram, which you both may have never seen, but saying how uh, extremely in his team there, I mean, all the teams extremely anyway, have to have a male and a female driver. And it's just, is a very easy and simple way to showcase female talent and in the case of Michaela Arlen-Kotlinski, who he's got in there with his team, she was with Jensen Button's team last year. She did a great job in there, and now she's absolutely roaring it with, with Rosberg's team in Extremely this year. And it just like, yeah, we've given her the opportunity, and that's all you need to do. We're not asking you to do anything that you wouldn't be doing for a male driver. It's just to say, it's essentially like, yeah, here's some money so you can get into a three or two. And if you're crap, you're crap. But you see some of the people that come and go from F3 and you think, well, if they can get the money for it from sponsorships, then how the heck are we not getting Chadwick and pulling and this kind of lot in them? Pulling, okay, fair enough. She's only been here five minutes and she's 12, but still, um, it just it, the mind just boggles and you just think it's at least worth taking the risk and you need someone to come along who's willing to just do that. We need, I don't know who I was saying to the other day, but we need kind of another Lord Hesketh kind of figure there of like, oh, yeah, here's some money. Just just have some fun with it and let's just see what we can do and let's see how many feathers we can ruffle and have a good time with it. Well, I guess we've kind of got that in Caitlyn Jenner. 
Yeah, I mean, she did say that um, she's determined to find Jamie a seat in F2 after this year. And I feel like if she can't do it with her status and her like kind of influence, then Jesse bleep me out, fuck a duck. Yeah, it's... I think W Series is fast-reaching an important point where it might not actually be able to serve its purpose. I think that would be a disappointing point for it to arrive. We've nothing to kind of replace it either in terms of improvements for F2 and F3. Yeah. You either need to completely overhaul the other feeder series to make it more accessible and open it up to a broader array of people, ignoring just gender as a thing. I think Mm. it would be an exceptional thing for F3 to do, let alone F2. But equally, FW Series was set up with its sole purpose of getting more women into motorsport. And this weekend was the first time we saw a female race engineer on the podium with Jamie Chadwick. How has it taken three seasons of W Series to get a female race engineer on the podium? It says a lot about the series as to potentially how effective it is as a platform if it's only just after three years starting to achieve sort of some of its other goals. And it does, and someone mentioned it the other day, is like most of the commentary team for W Series is not made up of female talent. And as much as you're saying, scroll down, what are you, what are you pointing oh, at? Oh, Ellie May's underneath me on the screen. She was the one that mentioned it. Oh, yeah. Ellie May mentioned it then, possibly. She's above me on the screen, that's all. Um, yeah. yeah, most of the commentary team is, is male. You have Naomi Schiff coming on doing amazingly with when it comes to commentary. And I'm certain there are other female pundits, journalists and reporters that would do... Again, I do wonder why Lee McKenzie oh. only presents, for example. I would quite like to see her doing it. And it's kind of the awkward thing that Alice Powell is great to commentary, but she's in the car, so we can't really get her to do it because that would be a little unfair. Um, but even... Like Naomi Ship, she was in W Series and then she, now she's not. But so she's gone to that sort of thing. There's a few other drivers who have been in it and are now not. Why not bring them back out of wherever they are? And again, you're not sure. Why not have Rachel Brooks or Natalie Pinkham? They're already there doing stuff for Sky. I'm mm-hmm. sure you could teach them to do a bit of commentary if they needed any help with it. I'm yeah. going to be extra mean and say, well, extra mean. I don't think I'm being mean. I'm just going to say they probably do better than Crofty does at the moment and make less mistakes than he does. So, mm-hmm. replace, so you can stick them in there and get them in some practice sessions for F1 if they want a bit more experience getting better at it. And again, I think the thing that possibly frustrates all three of us the most there is that none of the issues that they're having are difficult ones to solve. No. So it's kind of why haven't they been? Well, um, as, as well, although Naomi Schiff is there in the commentary team she's almost like that third person she's not i honestly like, still don't understand why billy monger is there it's like billy monger and alex jacks are the main two yeah i mean the, the majority of the time alex jakes is just he's the one leading everything and from what i can tell from the last few races particularly with w series because i've been paying attention just in case 90 percent of what he says it feels like is just what alex has just said but slightly differently and it's like Oh, really? I didn't just hear that five seconds ago. Whereas every time Naomi comes in, there is something new and interesting there. And whenever they go down to Amy in the pit lane to do structurally, again, there's something new and different there. It's kind of, it's very brief, but at least we get something new and different. It's not just repeat back to me what I said. Sorry. I say for um, what we've got uh, after Hungary, we've got what US... And we've got Mexico Suzuka, we've series. got Austin, and a doubleheader in Mexico. Um, 
Get Danica Patrick. For Austin, at least, yeah. It makes sense. I mean, she provided some brilliant sort of, not necessarily commentary, but sort of punditry when she was at the Canadian Grand Prix early this year for Formula One. No reason at all why she shouldn't be given a chance to do some sort of punditry commentary for W Series. Equally, um, Laura Winter does some amazing work within Formula One as a sort of pundit and presenter. Doesn't really make an appearance in W Series, not that I've noticed at least. Again, there is a Laura Winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Christ. Again, there's all this amazing talent out there beyond obviously just the female drivers. It feels like W Series basically opened up their big list of to-dos and got hyper fixated on the thing at the top of their list, which being a W Series, they immediately achieved and then forgot to look at anything below that on the list. I bring female talent into race management, driver management, engineering, mechanics, strategy, presenting. The whole idea of W Series was to basically make F1, but with predominantly women and it's done that with its driver lineup and very little else and i don't know potentially I, it's not a case of i don't like w series and i never want it to come across as me sounding like i'm down it but it is failing to meet the very basic standards that it set itself and i think it's it's failing as a concept we're not here to say we don't like W Series, we love W Series, and we so, we're being harsh because we so want it to work. And yeah. it's like you even look at—I mean, I don't really know who owns the the teams as such in W Series, but as a general race own uh, car ownership, what Susie Wolf? Is the only CEO, and that's, that's it. I'm gonna say you've got Caitlyn Jenner. I think is obviously in charge of Jenner Racing, but again, any of the teams, off the top of my head, I either don't know or can't think of it right away, which in itself is telling because they don't have enough screen time. If they get any at all, we don't see it. We're bringing back to the previous point there, just briefly of. You're saying about female time you could bring in either for commentary or punditry or just having as an occasional guest. If you're going to have the Avengers cast that you have Sky Sports F1, you could do the same for W Series here. There's Channel 4's uh, Ariana Bravo, I want to say is her name. And she's already there anyway, so it wouldn't be too, wouldn't like you have to fly her especially. And also, Claire Williams isn't doing much these days. Why not bring her in to do something? She would make an amazing pundit. My pundit presenter team principal for a W Series team, maybe that should be better suited to that, or just general person helping in W Series itself. Um, and I forget her first name, but Kettleborn, she'd be a great one to bring in as well, to, uh, in terms of helping to bring in more female talent. It's like, okay, you three, you two work with the woman whose name I forget, which I'm very bad at, who's in charge of W Series at the moment. And they can all work together. They've all got a plethora of experience then to help lift it all up. And like we say, just we're frustrated with it because they got the chance to start from scratch and they still managed to kind of not quite ne- quite yet nail the landing. Catherine. And then at a point where it matters more because they're on a global stage. You could also add Nikki Shields to it. As well as a comment, I don't want to take her away from Fournery. I want to make sure we got a bit of something in everywhere. Yeah, I mean, she but she can dabble. 
Mm. Have her in like a Johnny Herbert role. She's there occasionally. Um, I would love for Susie Wolf to come into W series. I think she would be if, if great. Nothing else, just to start a team called Wolfpack. <laughs> I mean, Wolfpack Racing, amazing, but equally just to go in and shake it up, I reckon. Yeah she would properly progress it forwards. They've got a good base to start with. They've got the right idea, but... It's Her and Claire together would be a hell of a team to kind of propel W Series forward. You've got at, like a determined, at times, very fierce Scottish woman, and then Claire Williams as well, who's not a, who's not a layabout either on that side of things. So that would be quite... Maybe that's all we need. Try and get them on a podcast and we'll talk about it. I mean, Claire Williams has definitely got a lot of time on her hands. I say we try and track her down and drag her on. We have her on for a W Series review and then push her from there. I mean, it's just annoying that W Series has given itself and built itself a good platform and then has just probably failed to do anything with it at all. It's almost like having a really expensive education and doing absolutely naff all with it. Anyway. It's um, almost like having a really rich dad and you're only being kind of all right at driving and he buys you a team that is in a green colour. Lance Stroll. Almost like having a law degree and doing nothing with it. (laughs) Yet. Hemo is the only one that made that not personal. Anyway, um, we'll move on to our winners and spinners before we sort of fall into a spiralling loop of self-pity and slamming W Series for being quite inept at its main tasks. Um, Winners from the weekend, Timo. I'm a stuck record, but I don't care. Jamie Chadwick, because she made a mistake, a very rare mistake in qualifying, which was probably due to the sun setting, um, her not being able to see where the white line was in and the pit exit. But from starting from third, she didn't even need half a lap. And it just, before she got back into first place, and it just seemed like, I mean, we know she's good. We know she's good. But it just seemed like when she drives that car, it feels like she's in an F2 car and everyone else is in the W Series car, the way she was just positioning it. And she just moved past Bicycle Visser, who, bear in mind, 2019 was her main championship rival. Um, oh, was, yes. And just kind of moved past it like she was nothing and then just proceeded to dominate accordingly. And you're just like, again... Who do I have to shout out to get this woman a seat in at the very least in F3 car? She shows that she just, it's just flipping impressive every time and she just doesn't point it. It's kind of Lewis Hamilton levels of domination at this point in a this, in this season. She's got, out of a possible 125 points, she's got 125 points. And the last time she wasn't on the podium, the first race of last year. Mm. I mean, do I need to keep going at this point? <laughs> it, it literally took her three turns mm-hmm. being the lead of the race. It's She makes it look so effortless as well. Like yeah. It yeah, doesn't it just, even bother her. It, it reminded me a little bit, because we only got a little bit before she was there, of um, Lewis Brazil last year when he had the new engine. He was just cutting through traffic like it was nothing. He was like... Again, I've seen this before. When Lewis had sort of one race, 25 overtakes to take the win, it's she drives at a level. This is it's akin to what I mentioned with Fernando Alonso for our preview of the French Grand Prix, I want to say, where the car is now beneath her 
And I think we said, I said this with Alonso on the grounds of Alonso. It was framed around Alonso finding Formula One a bit boring in the current mm-hmm. setup. He doesn't yeah. like it. And because, that's because he's found the absolute limits of the car, but he knows that that is nowhere near his upper limits. And with James- I will only just say one thing about that, because I know we're on WSUs, but the only thing I will point in for a discussion for another time is Alonso is also a driver that doesn't generally develop cars well. No. He finds the limit of it, but he doesn't develop it. So there is that kind of caveat, but we can get to that another time. He's not a car developer, but he can find the limit of the car. And I think that's what Chadwick has done here. She's found the absolute limits of this car. She knows exactly how to push it, where and when. And that's probably not much you can develop in it either because it's limited. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is she's found the limits of the car and those limits are way below the ceiling of her talent, even at this point in time. And the fear I have is that she's going to stagnate if all she can keep doing is just pushing a car to sort of half her limit, three quarters of her ability. She's never, she's going to lose touch with that top end of her ability. And that's when we're going to potentially really lose out on W Series is sort of lack of putting someone up into the top end of things. But before we get all doom and gloom, Jesse, who are your winners for W Series in France? My winners, I've gone for... Garcia and Volvend, um, the court down drivers, because god damn it, there was a good battle coming on from them. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic racing. They were all over each other, swapping places here and there, driving each other hard into the corners, but it was again hard clean. and clean racing. And it's what you expect when you, you think of Formula One at its most precise. And it is two drivers taking it to each other on the circuit, knowing each other's limits, where they are exactly around the other person's car and where they can. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it is two drivers taking it to the very limit. And it was, yeah, just absolute perfection. It's that thing of, okay, we found this talent, we showcased this talent. What the hell are we going to do with it now? It It was simply lovely. Simply lovely, though, but not. it's good to see it. And again, it's putting these people on a stage where they could get a drive somewhere else. Not necessarily I, for... I quite like the idea of um, Marta getting into Formula E through McLaren. I could definitely see her tumbling into Formula E or being quite a surprising driver at something like IndyCar. Mm. I just wonder if McLaren, because then she's got so many options available to her. <laughs> yeah. Before I get down that rabbit hole, Ellie May, who are your winners from the W Series? I've gone for Quant Fury, uh, the double podium for Bell and Garcia and Nereo Marti. Um, I think um, Garcia sort of putting the pressure on Visser was Visser's downfall um, mm. because it ended up hindering her fight with Chadwick. Garcia then inevitably got Visser and then Visser kind of I guess kind of lost it, which then meant that Marty was able to get past as well. And I think that, yeah, we had a really good weekend. And Garcia, it was her first podium in W Series, which I'm kind of surprised at, to be honest, because we, she is a good driver. She's just had a bit of bad luck and she's she's been there consistently, but it's kind of like Lando this year in, in F1 to kind of, you're nearly there, but not quite to be fighting at the top. So it's nice to see that. And Marty... Very good rookie season last year. Nice to see it back on the podium again. Yeah, I think they both had a really strong race. We'll flip to the spinners, though. Jesse, we'll kick off with you because you're uh, hating on the rookies. 
Yeah, it seems a bit harsh to be hating on the rookies. Chloe Chambers, or as my notes put it, rather Emily Dehus. Um, it was a bit of a very rookie-ish move. Uh, Emily rather overcooked it on corner entry and then sort of dropped it into Chloe. Just unfortunate time and place to be Chloe Chambers, really. So a lot of that's on Emily Dehus. But again, you've got to try these moves at some point in time. You've got to learn. But uh, yeah, it's just, just an unfortunate thing. And it's the one thing that I sort of really caught my eye and thought, Oh, it could have just been a little bit better. You could have timed that dive a little better. I appreciate going for the dive. Again, it's that if you don't go for a space, are you really a racing driver? But there I'm is... Ricardo. Yeah, there is... Yeah, there's an upper seat. There's an upper ceiling to that. And I think Emily pushed it a little beyond the limits there. She was just a bit too far back to make that dive work. Yeah. It came mm. from nowhere, really. Yeah, it was... If it, if it had worked almost certainly would have gotten like an honorable mention for an absolute wacky pass that came from nowhere, but those cars aren't quite set up for that sort of a dive bomb. So Timo, your winner, your spinner rather. Yeah. Could have been a winner, but it was instead of spinner. Quite a good visitor. It's pole by default. I don't know that's how mean, but it's true. Um, And then, it's not like she doesn't know Jamie. She, like I said earlier, was fighting for the championship with her in 2019 and was the main kind of thorn in her side for that. And then had a bit of a rather disappointing 2021 season and kind of hoping for a return to form this year. And it's not really come to shine. And again, I don't want to shit on W Series any more than we already have. But I'll be surprised if we see her on the grid next year because... It's all about finding this new talent and promoting it upwards, which if it then had to at least keep the talent where it is, then at least we can bring in some new faces so that we can give more opportunities rather than letting the old ones stagnate. Like fair enough if Jamie's still there in some respects because she's proved she's pretty darn good at this racing thing. Um, and the same for Kim Alignan and Pal, because they both they've all been kind of up there and they've won races and they've shown themselves but Weitzker just hasn't been and yeah I I would have I wasn't expecting you to necessarily win the race but I was expecting you to take more than less than half a lap for her to be overtaken by Jamie and then to then not even be on podium um so yeah big old spin for me but uh talking of harsh Ellie May well, it's not hard. <laughs> I've gone for Abby Eaton because what? Put, put in a sound effect over this bit, Jesse. It's just a lot of just a crowd booing. <laughs> Maybe what one or two meters off the starting her starting. Let's position. be generous and say five. And she's out. Through um, no fault of her own, though. There was no way no, she could go. Through no fault of her own. And I'm not saying it's a spinner because she's done something terrible. It's just unfortunate, unlucky. She just can't seem to get any luck this year. And not yet. No, not yet. I'm hoping for redemption in Austin. I'm, I hope so, too, because I, she's a good driver. She just has not had any luck since breaking her back. 
Which, to be fair, she is totally fine after this crash. She did mention, just like, yeah, we were a bit concerned there because it looked like if it's bad enough when anyone has a crash like that, but it's sort of given the history that like, oh, don't undo all the work we've done to get you back here now. But uh, luckily that wasn't the case. But it at least showed that she's got qualifying maybe a bit more improved. So theoretically, I don't want to say anything. I don't trust myself. But, you know, there's, there's good signs there. <laughs> Let's, let's say that. And it's good that she's in good health to then, well, good health in general, but Hungary's only a week away. All, all I want to see is her and Jessica fighting tongs and nails with each other for the podium. That's all I want. And for one of them not to get on it then, because that's going to be a very awkward drive home. <laughs> It'd be a tricky one, that's for sure. Well, which Jeff, which seems like a good enough place as any to end this review for the Theater Series podcast episode that you're currently listening to. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we'll be back very soon when we'll be reviewing all the Theater Series extra from Hungary. Which, if you thought this episode was slightly long for a Theater Series, you wait for the next one because we'll have F3 to deal with as well. Then, so lucky, lucky you. Um, so, in the meantime, Jesse, where can people find you on the internet? If you can find me on the internet, yeah, if you just chuck my name into Google, usually things come up, hopefully not too many police records. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Don't type OnlyFans after it, you don't want to see that. Uh, my bank account would rather you did find that. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, Jesse on Cars. Equally, you can find the podcast on Twitter as well, at Undercut Podcast. And if you really want to find me in real life, you can find me in print format at Classic Car Weekly where I am basically the events editor. So you'll find me writing about all the interesting events that you should be going to in the world of classic motoring and uh, events also aimed at sort of not necessarily always classics. So there's uh, some he more. He looks at calendars, ladies and gentlemen, and he writes them down. Yeah. He's but... not, he doesn't have a job because it's just him having fun and being paid for it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, where can people find you? As we're just going to cut Jesse off there before he can be any more smug about his life. You can find me on the Undercut Podcast Instagram page where I'll have my key takeaways from F1 races, or you can find us on TikTok. Simply lovely. As for myself, on the curbs, unofficial Nitro X podcast, is it fast? Paddock's Rarity, Instagram, TikTok, even. Crikey Almighty, I'm just about everywhere. Don't you just love all the Timo content? Yes, I know you all do. So we can just move along there and it's all very nice indeed. Thank you very much for listening. Hello and welcome to the Undercut podcast or potentially what will be edited into the second half of our feeder series bumper episode where we are back reviewing all of the feeder series action from Budapest, which this time involves Formula 2, Formula 3 and W series. Joining me on the other end of a slightly crackly Zoom call is, as ever, Timo Albus Daly. How are you? And why are you standing up? Standing up because we've been sitting down for too long doing our F1 podcast. But other than that, I'm not too bad thinking this. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. A bit knackered because we're recording this Monday after I've done a tough murder. So I do feel like I've been sort of put in a rock tumbler. Um, I've got cuts and scrapes all over me. And I'm fairly certain I keep sneezing mud. So... Maybe that was what was up with Checo on, on Friday during practice. 
yeah, he'd, he'd done a tough mudder and there was just a little bit of sort of soil still up his nose. But anyway, that's not the point. It's time for us to do some feeder series reviewing and uh, we'll kick off with our sort of big review section. What the hell has happened? And um, we'll start with some F2 stuff. And uh, Boshong's still on sick leave and you've written the question, will we see him again in F2 and have his chances for an F1 future truly died? As you can tell, I've gotten quite dramatic with, well, everything. If you listen to the F1 episode before this, I've not been the kindest uh, person that I could have been there, but it's been one of those weekends, and I feel like it's it's one of those things, again, with, with Boshong. He's a great driver, but it's, again, well, it's a good, no, sorry, he's a good driver. I don't want to overcompliment him, and being cruel as I am, that is why I'm apologising. It's, it's one of those things, it's, it's not his fault that he's on sick leave, because obviously these things happen, you can't do much about that, but his championship hopes, if they were ever there in the first place this season, are pretty much out the window, and with only, what is it, four rounds left maximum uh, this season, even if he does come back and if he wins every single race, that's still probably not going to, to do enough for him, especially when you've got the likes of Borchera and Drogovic and Sardin up there. And it's kind of one of those things where he's given it a fair old bash and we've loved seeing him there in F2 consistently and come back again after so long being out and being incredibly resourceful in that. But I don't think he's going to be in F1 and... Roberto Mary ironically has been in F1 and was not there very long and kind of shows that even if you do get that chance, you still could end up back in Formula 2 after many years of absence. So it's it's unfortunate we want to, we wish him well, but I think that is he's done one way or the other and it's it's very unfortunate. Yeah, his F1 chances are well and truly dashed at this point. He could certainly go to something like endurance wax series along those lines because I think again he's a talented driver there's some skill there but um, yeah with this sort of run of bad luck I can't see him quite making um, F1 at this rate or even possibly another season of F2 but that's by and large the only sort of real news aspect from F2 we can sort of dive straight mm. the, uh, the sprint race although the qualifying which um, as ever with this certain driver sees the enormous message of it was ah, through our group chat as he uh, got and got, which was quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it becomes unusual when I don't get a message on a Friday afternoon at this point from you just with it was his names in block capitals with a million exclamation marks over at the end of it. So it was nice to have that consistency from you at least. Could do with that a bit more from some of the drivers in F2, but at least we don't have to worry about that with Iwasa, who is doing an outstanding job. And proving that his win in France last weekend, or whenever you listen to this recently, um, was not just a fluke, and he's really there to, to put the pedal to them. I completely messed that up from how I'm saying that, but he's doing very well, and it's nice to see that. And I don't I don't want to F1 next year, because I don't think either F1 or he on that point are going to be ready for it, but he's kind of doing enough to make those above him take notice and if you're Liam Lawson and Jay Handarubala you're going to be a little bit worried because this little speed demon in his rookie season of F2 and if this is what he's like at the box then if you were for next year I reckon championship contention and if yeah if, if you're Lawson or Darubala especially Grubala I think you're going to be very worried about him taking what you would like to think is your spot on an F1 grid in a certain avatar 
yeah, if you're an F1 junior driver, you've got to start being a bit concerned about the performances Iwas is putting in because there are some superb performances and he's sort of gone through the Yuki Sonoda system of being quite sort of chaotic and frenzied and really sort of narrowing it down to quite, was become quite a meticulous and very metered drive. There's still the excitement there from him, this sort of real drive and passion, but there's this sort of, they very quickly sort of honed in to give him this very sort of finished product. And I quite like that. And admittedly, it doesn't always go his way on track. Um, we Again, he did, wasn't able to convert that, um, the pole to a win, but he did at least convert it into a podium in the feature race. Uh, but we'll get to the feature race shortly. We're kicking off with the sprint race, which was um, sort of a bit like Formula One was around Hungara Ring last year with a bit of bowling through turn one. We saw Hauga taken out at turn one and uh, sort of chaos a bit spilled out from there. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great race if you were Jack Doohan. Um, and in true kind of Formula Two style, it was a, a weekend of two halves, female equal extremes there. I mean, he won the sprint race and then had to retire from the feature race, unfortunately, but he'll be glad he got the, the sprint in at least. And Fittipaldi as well getting third, which again, another podium for Baby Shark. And just, we were, I was going to say it's about a wasser for the feature race, but again, it's, it's true for Fittipaldi. It's that consistency is key. And in F2, that is incredibly key and in why it sees Drogovic leading by so much without having won in so long. And Fittipaldi is another one like Iwasa potentially for next year could be a real threat there if this is what he's like now if he can carry that momentum forward into 2023 then he could be a right threat my only concern for both of them and other drivers like them are the massive gap between the penultimate and final rounds of the 2022 season because it's like something sort of like three months or equivalent of that um, and if you're on a bit of a roll you want to make sure that you can keep that going in big gaps, like you've got a summer break now, and then you've got three races or six races, three rounds back to back, and then a massive gap again. It's going to test them in a, in a, in a whole new way, which in Formula 3 may be slightly less pressure because of the chaotic nature of it, and you've potentially got a little bit more time there. But in F2, you know that you're really being looked at by teams further up the grid and in F1 and you've got to make everything count there. So he's doing everything he needs to do there. So doing for the body, very nice for them. Yeah, very nicely done, especially my notes from sort of the sprint race was certainly Dewan's domination, really. He sort of took a good start and got away and basically kept out of trouble the entire time. He very rarely had a second gap back to him towards sort of Vips or whoever the hell was in second at any given point in time. It was sort of irrelevant. There was always at least a second gap there. And... Mm never really felt under pressure at all through the sprint race. It was a proper class drive from him. The feature race was a bit different. There was a lot of grading issues, people really chewing through their tyres. Um, Drinkovic, I think, pitted too early. So there was a lot of weird tyre strategies coming out of the F2 um, pit stops there, which was quite unique. I don't know why they did it, because what we saw from him in Spain, able to do an earlier pit stop than those around him and then bring the tyres alive to absolutely dominate that feature race and win, you kind of can't blame them almost for wanting to try and replicate that and trusting Drogovic to do that. But at the same time, you also need to realise that Spain and Budapest are very different tracks. And just because you succeeded there doesn't mean you're going to succeed here. So it's, it's interesting because obviously, as we'll say in a moment, Porcher did capitalise on that misfortune by getting a lot of points and narrowing that gap significantly whereas they have just seen what was once certainty of Drogovic winning the championship is now there's a 
question mark in brackets there now, I think. And Djokovic is maybe, I don't want to compare with Rory on resting on his laurels a bit because he's not made such massive blunders as they have, but he is going to be wanting to reach a season where he was just dominating and showing that what's consistent is great. Consistency in first place is better, and he should be trying to aim to do that a bit more and try and find whatever he had at the beginning of the season to, to say, recapture that. Yeah, a little bit of doubt over Drugovic's hold on the championship is starting to creep in, especially when you've got the likes of Porsche putting in some good weekends. Sargent, when he's not suffering from technical issues, is again really up there at the pointy end of things. And again, two podiums this weekend from Baby Shark. Little Fittipaldi really putting in the miles there. Don't think he's going to come into quite championship contention, but he's certainly sort of at the front end of the grid causing enough chaos or sort of just being an extra factor for teams to have to sort of remember and drivers to have to work with. Proves that it's... Kind of doing what Porsche was doing last year, kind of not, not in contention, but you wait till next year and I will be a proper threat then. And it's kind of what we see from a lot of F2 drivers who then do interesting in the league one, having a kind of, not a duff first season, but not a great one, but then really coming alive in that second season and then coming through the pack to win. Yeah, I think that's possible what we're going to see with Fittipaldi and almost certainly what we're going to see with Iwasa. Of course, feature race podium, Porsche, Fittipaldi, Iwasa, pretty good podium, really nice to see Porsche out there. Again, the guy drives well, deserves the podiums that he gets. There's never been a podium that he hasn't seemed deserving of, which is quite nice. And again, always good to see Fittipaldi out there and as ever, a joy for an Iwasa podium. F3 was a different kettle of fish entirely and a very wet kettle of fish, certainly at points. Um, Christian Mansell joins Chiroux, uh for Hungary and Spa replacing Chauvinek, uh, was the news. And Oliver Goeth, I think Goeth, 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 I can't remember how it's pronounced, um, replaced Hunter. Yeah. Uh, replaced Hunter Yaney and uh, started on pole in the sprint in F3. He did all right through that sprint race, actually. Uh, F3 qualifying. Yeah. Bit of traffic paradise, uh, but we did see Smolia on pole for the feature, which is quite spicy. But we'll get to the feature in a minute. Sprint. Which I want to say just a little bit on the Smolia because he's one of these drivers who I kind of forget that he's in F3 sometimes because it reminds me of some of the F2 drivers that have been there for a good while and they're now I'm thinking Nissani in particular just because of longevity. And Smolia. It's, it's quite amusing in some ways when you look at all the F3 drivers when they're out of the, the cars and not have got their helmets on them and they all look pretty, for lack of a better phrase, baby-faced. And then you see Smolia and it's like, what is this not quite middle-aged man doing there, but it's the equivalent of in, in an F3 category. And he's not a bad driver. I'm just kind of, I've not done enough research into why he's still in F3 because I would have thought he would make the jump up to F2 by now, especially when those less qualified have managed to do so in the past. And it's kind of reminiscent of Boschong in some ways. They're like, how long are you, are you just going to try and outlast everyone else and therefore force an F1 team potentially into giving a reserve driver role so that you potentially then can get a seat at some point? But will you be Fernando Alonso's current age at that point when you get your F1 debut? And great that he gets on pole and great that he was able to, to get his win. But it's kind of expected, I guess, because you've been there for so long. But if you're not doing that, it's a bit like Drogovic in Formula 2. You've been there for a good while now. And it's good that Drogovic is able to come alive in Formula 2 this year. But it, because if he hadn't, he'd be like, well, why the hell are you still here? 
and Molly really needed to be doing a bit better, I think. And maybe this is the start of that. But at the same time, there's only three rounds left and Hedjar and Martins are quite a way ahead. And they would need a lot of bad luck for him to come back into contention, I think. Mm, certainly. I think the whole idea of, especially when you get the older drivers in the feeder series, it is the question that you ask, not necessarily of Drugovic because he's performing it this year, but the likes of this money, you look at them and go, what the hell are you still doing here? Please go away. And it's also something we mentioned in the F1 review of Hungary with Alonso hanging around in Formula One for so long. In the case of, you're not really performing at the top end anymore. Why don't you just open up the seat? But we'll move on to the F3 sprint race, which is the one half of the F3 weekend that I did see. I haven't actually seen all of the feature yet, so still have all of that to come. But F3 sprint, uh, Colette Colapinto and uh, Miney on the podium, decent little podium there. And again, there was some good racing, Colette Colapinto all the way through in the rain. And then that last lap drama from Leclerc and Crawford that had really been building since about lap 12. It was sort of an 18-lap race. We had about six laps of solid battling between Arthur Leclerc and Jack Crawford. Yeah, and it all came to a head just, just right in the end. And very unfortunate that there was contact there, but entertaining nonetheless, which is what we expect from every end. If it hadn't been for stuff in the future race that I'm probably going to spoil for you when we get to winners and spinners, I would have put Kushmini in third place in the sprint. He got fifth place in the feature race and just a really solid weekend for the weekend. It's just nice to see uh, a crowded field where, you, as we were saying in the news section earlier, a bit further along, that drivers coming in and out in Piccadilly Circus on, on the merry-go-round, that a driver is actually staying there and improving. But he's done all right at times this year, um, but nowhere near this good. And I hope that's not a one-hit wonder for him because we're up there and perfectly showcases how mad and brilliant F3 can be at times. Mm. It certainly sort of shows just how much there is for it. Then, of course, the feature race podium, uh, Smolia, Maloney and Behrman. But uh, apparently, according to your notes, I haven't seen the second half of the feature race yet. Uh, nobody cares about this because of Osman and Correa. I'm assuming there were some fairly heroic performances from those two on track. Tell me about them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I was saying, but Smolia kind of expected him to do it because of how long we've been there. Maloney and Behrman couldn't do anything about him and kind of kept each other busy and was entertaining to an extent, but also, but it would have been more so if they'd actually been able to have a bit of a tussle, whereas it, I think it did start, it was wet and then and towards the end of the race, I can't think of still an impressive amount considering what they were to do, but Sullivan was in 22nd, Correa was down in 18th, they made, a, they made a pit stop, which, which in itself is a massive rarity for Formula 3 because they're just not equipped to do that with any kind of speed whatsoever. They switched to the soft tyre and just absolutely annihilated everyone in front of them. I mean, there was it was easy enough for Carreras. People were fairly close by to him, so gaps of between one to three seconds over the course of a single lap. But the most impressive one for me, there for him was there was a 16 second gap up the road to, with about 10 laps to go. And in less than two laps, he had overtaken them and just wrong time passed and kept going all the way. 
and it saw O'Sullivan then overtake Correa, which was a bit of a kick in the teeth for him. But at the same time, O'Sullivan then made it from 22nd up to fourth place and was catching third towards the line. It was kind of a nearly a photo finish, and Correa managed to end up in sixth from 18th. And was just impressive to see how far they could go. And like, why is this race not like a couple of laps longer? They could have had a one-two easily enough and would have been very big kicking the teeth for the likes of Maloney and Behrman who had been touching each other and couldn't get past Smoggy if these two had just come breezing past. And been watching your three, I think this is my third full year of watching it now. And that's got to be one of my favourite moments from a whole lot of it, to be honest, because it just shows that it's... it's and it was just, it, if that doesn't put a grin in your face for watching pure racing, then I don't know what would and if you were actually a motorsport fan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sort of finishing it off just out of completionism, weirdly, but to see again that sort of art of the racing that they sort of, you often get it in F3 and the F2 because of just how densely the grids are. You see a different form of the art of racing come through and it's really quite enjoyable. And it's one of the things that I've been sort of convincing people to get into feeder series and know that friend of the podcast, Ben Wellum, my instruction has started watching F2 much to much to his loss to an extent, but equally he said the first thing he said was it's so much more racing and you get all the on-track action and I think that's one of the brilliant things with feeder series is you get that sort of crazy track action which is I'm looking forward to getting Jacob back onto the podcast at some point soon if I'm going to ask him about this specific F3 race to see what he brought of that because again it's just much more racing much less much more to gain as well for the drivers in showcasing themselves because you're more likely to risk these make these risky decisions because the payoff is so much higher and it's kind of not that you're safe once you get to a one but it's kind of intrigue intriguing to see who makes the more ballsy decisions to get there and what works and what doesn't and at the end of the day you've always got to be doing something to make yourself stand out from the rest of the pack especially in Formula 3 where there's so many drivers and especially when there's so many switching out all the time that you're not necessarily guaranteed a seat from one race to the next um be it due to sponsorship be it due to injury or be it just to someone outperforming you so places like this from O'Sullivan will be great for, for Williams as he's one of their drivers and Correa again just hopefully a sign that we can get to see him back in Formula 2 next year It'd be nice to see him make that step back up and sort of reclaim this or sort of get back to where he was. Um, again, yeah, just, just another good weekend of F3 and a decent weekend actually of W Series as well. I was a bit, was it France? I was a little, no, it was Silverstone. I was a bit let down by, I think, wasn't it? France was pretty decent. Hungary proved to be another good weekend for W Series. I really enjoyed watching this back. And um, there's also some news from the W Series paddock. Singapore has taken Japan's place on the W Series calendar for this year. They haven't had a proper street race, have they? No, not that I can recall. I mean, Miami is probably the closest, but as Miami ships have coverage, it's not in the same league as Singapore. And there's so many more challenges there, I feel like, as well, because yeah, they've either had a technical circuit or they've had a hot place like Spain um but and all the bit of humidity which is probably why Miami is the closest one to Singapore in this kind of example but they've never really had all of it in one go and it is also a very long track which we haven't really had too much then we've had spa last year in the wet for them being the closest one I think in terms of length but again it's a lot more it's going to be a great challenge for them and 
as I've said in the nose blinking, Bustamante is probably a very happy chappy as it's basically as close to a home race as she'll get. Um, I think she's from the Philippines. And it's just nice that we get to see feeder series in the back half of an F1 calendar because aside from Abu Dhabi, it's good that we get to see that with WQ. We had it with Austin and Mexico. Well, we didn't have it with Mexico last year. We meant to have it, but we get it with Austin and Mexico this year. And it's a shame that we don't get it for Japan. I'm not 100% switch there um but singapore great venue and makes me want to watch it even more now and i can't wait to to see that mm, i think there could be i'm just going up a limb there could be like a japanese racing series that's also running at um Suzuka yeah weekend that's taking up the feeder series spot in the end but again, give us this chance to race on the technical circuit of Singapore in what's usually fairly tricky conditions. Even if you're up in F1, you've got drivers losing a couple of kilos of sort of body weight from just water alone. Mm-hmm. It is a demanding, proper racing circuit that demands the most of its drivers. And I think it's good to get on that platform, on that sort of level of equality and get the chance to say, even at its most extreme when it comes to temperature, humidity, demand, and nature of the circuit. This is exactly why W Series exists. And I think in this regard, finally, W Series, as much as I like it for occasionally not being a great platform for women in motorsport, is doing quite a good job of it by going to a challenging circuit. And the sort of level playing field. So that's one other last little note I want to say about all three of the feeder series, actually, is that calendar-wise, I don't want to see the same ones here for all of them. I want there to be constant switching back and forth. So maybe you have some of them every second year. Maybe you have all of them at Silverstone, for example, because everyone just loves that. And it's it's the weekend for it. There's, it's the Grand Prix when you walk. But I like the idea that you have them in Singapore this year, but then next year maybe but then formula three if you have what do we have for the final three rounds this year we've got monza zambor and spa they don't go to any of them later and they try and challenge them in different ways not only is that helping the drivers in develop more and shows that when they make the step up to formula two and maybe formula one they've got experience on all the tracks a little bit at least to show that they can adapt to changing weather conditions and different track types and go from street circuits to proper track tracks as well but um i've lost, I've completely lost the end of my point i was going to make i think i know the point you're trying to make is the fact that it makes the feeder series a lot more well-rounded as well as also it puts them in front of a broader audience as well and i think it's a more change for the fans that's what i can say it's great for the fans we get a bit more variety in the racing but equally i think especially on the w series point it does put the sport in a greater spotlight in a variety of locations when you look at its first season it ran pretty much entirely around the european f4 circuit and it was very sort of prescriptive at least in 2021 we saw it broaden its doors and it went around the world a bit more and this year it's doing it more so and i think that's something they could definitely build on and again it as much as it obviously has its online presence you can watch it from wherever you are in the world it's nice and i there's that impact that it will have by giving people a chance to see it up close and personal and again for young girls looking to get into motorsport when you have something like w series come to your backyard to race in your nearby city on your nearby race circuit it offers you that far more tangible sort of enthusiasm to go, no, I can do this. And I think it, yeah, it's good to see W Series branching out and going to some a broader range of circuits. 
and think yeah like all feeder series should sort of go on to like a shuffling rotating calendar so again for the sake of the drivers at least they're coming into the upper echelons of motorsport a bit more aware of what different circuits are likely to throw at them and as well we saw a different pole sitter and subsequently a different race winner for the first time this year and of all people to take Chadwick off her throne it was obviously going to be Alice Powell yeah, the only person that seems to have really been able to truly go toe-to-toe with um, Chadwick for quite some time, with potentially the exception of Abby pulling on a good day, it's Powell. And again, absolutely cracking driver. No surprises that Alpine have really sort of snaffled her up as their sort of talent scout and sort of been sort of stuffling her way into their sort of driver pool because she is a fantastic driver. And again, she put in a brilliant pole sort of qualifying session. And again, when it came to the race, she was pretty dominant to be fair Chadwick had to fight her way through the field and again had a very Chadwick style race just proving sort of dominance and control of the field but yeah Powell putting in an absolutely sort of stellar performance and holding off Bicycle Visa for quite a while Visa was putting a lot of attacks and moves on her and Powell just had defence all the way around it was sort of Alonso last year around Tangara Ring school of defending and yeah proper sort of top tier driver stuff from Alice Powell is what we want to see and yeah does, does promote her up to second in the championship but at the same time does also feel like it's a little bit too little too late even though it is a great, really great way to win but it's still a ridiculous gap up to Chadwick I mean she's in triple figures comfortably and Powell still mid double figures somewhere I can't remember the exact numbers of it, but it's just such an astronomical gap um but you say, Visa in third, clearly listening to me from last week, I've got in my spinners uh, category for France. So nice to see the tough love working there again. And Marta Garcia and Abby Pulling in fourth and fifth, respectively. Good for Cortell, another solid result. And Abby Pulling, it's, 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 I hesitate to say it's a bad result, but I think, but I think that sort of shows how good a driver she is. That fifth place, we're thinking, oh, is that it? Yeah, it's sort of when you see Lewis Hamilton's or Sergio Perez's come home in something like fifth or sixth, and you're thinking, oh, was that all you had to give? And I think it's it's good that we can put Abby Pulling in way in that same sort of field of drivers where you expect so much more from them because we've seen them perform with so much more. We've seen podiums from them and brilliant performances. Her opening season last year, she didn't race in all the races and came home second place overall. Who's the story? Pulling. No, she yes, no, she was in second overall. overall. Which I can't. She did really well last year, despite. Yeah, I mean, she she wasn't in all the races, and she, but she got pole on her essential debut. She was in two races and, and finished relatively high up there. So oh, I knew there was this. It was some crazy statistic of basically she didn't do all the races, and when she did appear, amazed, and that's the thing. She set a really high bar that she is able to perform at, and she's regularly performed at. It's just this sort of this weekend was almost a weekend we went, come on, Abby, we could we could have a bit more from you. Um, yeah, another person who I think we could have definitely seen a bit more from would have been Jess Hawkins as well. She had a bit of contact and spun out at one point, but she'd been making some good moves up the field. And again, there is a really good racing driver in Jess Hawkins. And I think Aston Martin would be silly to not do something with that in the future. Certainly moving her, looking to get her into an F2, F3 seat at some point because with the right coaching, the right structure, I reckon Jess Hawkins could be a competitive Formula One driver, certainly. Better not start on Aston Martin just yet on smart decisions because we'll get very sad. So I think it's probably 
probably better to ask you who your winner is for Formula 2. My winner for Formula 2 will cycle back to the top of the list again for feeder series. Formula 2 winner for me, it's got to go to Dewan because that was a truly dominating performance in that sprint race. And he looked untouchable in a different mm. class. And I think that is, that's what I look for with my winners, especially through the feeder series. When you're in spec cars, if you can look like you're driving an entirely different car, that you've done well then. Reminisce of Chadwick in some ways, if we're going to make that link to, to W Series there, with, with Harris you've been driving in a few of these races, just kind of like, we can see you, but we can't get anywhere near you, and we don't quite understand how. Yeah, we're not sure what you've done, but it's goddamn impressive. Congratulations. Your winner then from Formula 2? Touched upon already, but fit Howdy, double podium for Baby Shark, just great to see that, and... I mean, I feel like if you're Pietro, you're going to be both very happy and also a little bit annoyed if you're younger brother there because he's probably going to want to see full time before he does. Yeah, it does look like Enzo's going to sort of leapfrog Pietro at this point. But again, he's he's a really nice, supportive older brother. He's always there, sort mm-hmm. of trying him on from the pits. And again, I don't, he wouldn't be annoyed. There'll be a little bit of him that regrets really not going for that Hassi or potentially putting in a more competitive thing around the time they kicked out Mazepin. But yeah, for Enzo Fittipaldi, this has proven to be a very good season and he's really finding his feet in Formula 2. So another season of this and then potentially it could be a Formula 1 season opening up. Spinners. I'm going to rephrase my, my prediction. I was, going to, I was hoping that they would have a Fittipaldi duo for them at some point, but I don't know if it's going to happen full time. So I'm just going to hope that for whatever reason, there is at least one race where it can be both of them together on it's kind of like Bahrain 2020. Um, or Sakia rather and we just get to see through craziness both of them in, in there I think it would be, just be really nice It would be good if we saw that with different teams as well so they have a chance to probably compete against each other because I reckon that would be added spice mm. yeah, Alright, I'll be up for that Potentially when Audi and Porsche enter Formula 1 hopefully one of them will enter with their own team I don't want them to just sort of buy 50% of Red Bull and sort of be like, oh, look at Audi Red Bull. No, make yourself your own team and one of you will take Pietro Fittipaldi, one of you gets Enzo Fittipaldi. That's the Fittipaldi with you. Yes. Anyway, um, spinners from Formula 2. Timo? I didn't even bother waiting for the feature race to begin or finish before deciding this one because I just thought no matter what happens in that, it can't go any worse than it can do for Richard Bashore in the sprint race. We thought Austria was a pain in the ass for track limits, but he takes the biscuit here, track limits galore, and to the point where he got a black and white flag and then went in the bit and somehow managed to not take it properly. And so then had another five-second penalty on top of that, which he had to go back in for. And I've just written what a muppet. And yeah, no, it's just absolutely appalling. I mean, he was the guy that on track he won in Austria. And, and from that to whatever the heck this is, and just very surprising and not at all the kind of, we say, oh, how uh, consistency is key in Formula 2. And this is the complete opposite of that. This is the definition of inconsistency, and especially so with track limits. Just the mind boggles, Jesse. But uh, who did you have? My spinner from Formula 2, uh, MP Motorsports and their strategy. It was I, I, I no fear of admitting that I'm on the Drugovich hype train. I'm the conductor of said train. But 
yeah, it potentially sways me a little bit on this and the fact that I'm annoyed about that uh, MPMO sports strategy just being a bit cack, really. I think they put him just a little bit too early. And while he does have some skills when it comes to tyre preservation, he's good at keeping tyres alive. That was a little too early. And those tyres were really coming off the cliff through the end of the feature race. And he was just dropping down the order. And yeah, not what you wanted to see when he's... The some, some people that we know from the telly, ambitious but rubbish. Yes, yeah, very much ambitious, but in the end, a bit naff. Uh, we'll move on to Formula 3 for your winner, please, in Formula 3, Timo. So if you're on the Drogovic hype train, I'm on the O'Sullivan and Correa hype train because it was just fucking insane and a perfect example of F3. I mean, like I said, going from... I didn't realise how many laps to go. I'm glad I wrote it down, but even more impressive for you here, Jesse, for when you watch it. They went from 22nd and 18th respectively to 4th and 6th in just seven laps and were doing laps times that were 10 seconds quicker than smaller in first on the soft tyre. And just one or two laps to go and they would have been fighting each other for the win, never mind smaller. He would have been left in the background somewhere and just, oh, it was glorious. Glorious. Oh, I mean, if you've got a 10 second a lap advantage mm. in spec series, you're really ringing that car out and finding some performance in it. I think that is very much it was six, 16 seconds over the course of a lap and a half to get to whichever position that car was in well at this rate christ on a bike we're gonna we're gonna win this that's yeah that's that's something impressive indeed really i think to have that advantage in formula three is yeah chef's kiss deserving of a winners i mean i went when for your winners though yeah, I went down a similar route for the sprint race. I was fascinated by Colapinto and Colette in the wet. It was some top-tier driving, some just constant battling between the two of them. Never giving an inch, but it was proper sort of, I don't want to say gentleman's racing, because that's usually sort of, oh, after you, after you, letting each other out of the corner, it's old men in GT cars. But they treat each other with due care and respect, but still were really pushing each other to the limits. There was an it was the exact balance you want from racing. There was the competitiveness, but it wasn't... It's really mature for a free drivers at such a young age. Yeah, that was the thing. It had a level of maturity that it you really wouldn't expect of F3. And for me, they, it stood out as really worthy of uh, sort of an award for that. Hence, they they take my winner's, winner's sort of... ...pin for that. But then, opposite side of the scale, spinners. I've got two for a three, Hadjar being one of them, just because he's in championship contention and he just had, to quote you, a bit of a nap weekend. And I know he's a rookie, but he's always been a very impressive rookie, so I kind of feel that's not a good enough defence for him to why he's had a bad weekend. Um, and he'll be hoping that if he wants that F3 championship, he's got three rounds, six races left to do it, and they're all back to back to back to back. And he's going to hope that he can call the back up because Victor Martins is not a driver that is going to just hand you a championship on a plate. He wants that desperately this year. And after such a strong performance last year, it's going to be even trickier to beat him, essentially. And it's been impressive how good Hedgehog has been up to now. So that's why it's so disappointing. But in other kind of painfulness, Yemi is was replaced, as we said, by Goth because he broke his wrist. And I think it was France, or no, not France, Austria, because we didn't have that in France. Um, and awkwardly, like we mentioned at the top of this, 
both got reverse grid pole for the sprint race and managed to get more points in one sprint race than Yaney's been able to get all season so far, which if you're coming into, as we were saying, there's so many drivers going in and out of the three, that's not going to look great if you're under Yaney, especially when you have such a big presence as he does, especially on social media. He does a lot of posting. He has a lot of sponsors. He does a lot of stuff with sponsors and really trying to get that American momentum behind him. And while that's all well and good, you do need the results to go with it. And I think back to Spain, where he took out a teammate there, I think it was Pepe Marti, and then being shown up by central one-off replacements so much that the fact that even with six races left to go in the championship, you might not be able to get more points than this is a little awkward. Yeah, you might be outscored by your replacement in the racing season. That's... <laughs> Not strong. Yeah, I mean, I think for that reason alone, I would have likely given him my spinners. I was sort of waiting until I um, finished watching the feature race to at least put together my spinners from this, but didn't get a chance. Unfortunately, Tesco's livery arrived before I got a chance to do that. But So I don't really have a true spinner, but uh, judging by the slander you've thrown at Yaney, and again, not unfair slander, um, yeah, seems about right. So we'll shuffle into our W Series winners and spinners, and You've got an interesting winner, actually, not one that I would have personally picked. No, I was quite pleasantly surprised by this. And when I mentioned them as drive as, as driver today on the Undercut Podcast Instagram page, they not only looked at our story, but gave it a nice like as well. So I like that there's a little blossoming relationship between the Undercut Podcast and this driver. And this driver is Wookie Juju Noda, who made great progress up to the field and got a surprisingly large number of overtakes over the course of the race and she's unlike a lot of the rookies this season not kind of been anywhere too much but showed real progress here and I'll be very interested to see what she can do for the rest of the season and potentially into 2023 and it's just that's why it's another shame that we don't get to go to Japan uh, because I think that would have been great to put on that kind of performance in front of a home crowd but just we don't often look at the rookies too much, and when we do, it's usually the same one or two, and that's about it. Oh, we kind of mentioned the part, I mean, we have we give the your spinners for France, for example, we're all rookies for various different reasons. Um, fair, fair, fairly, because they're making mistakes, so it's nice to see one of them progressing just very nicely up there and getting good overtakes. And again, whilst we have criticised W Series on the past for the lack of overtaking capabilities and that's not due to the tracks like everyone would like to keep saying it's due to the fact that you need drs or a push to pass system in that car it goes to show that if you do put the right driver in it at the right time at the right track it's very very doable yeah i mean she there was a lot of impressive driving from her through the weekend i sort of had nana from the beginning of the season it sort of looked like a bit of a sort of renaissance or a second renaissance for Japanese drivers in motorsport. Again, we've seen sort of Sonoda not doing too badly in Formula One, but you go into Formula Two, Iwasa doing not terribly there. And then you look at W Series and you've got Juju Noda coming in and not upset. Replacement coming. We're looking at Iwasa replacing Sonoda and we've got Juju replacing the equation and interest there from Japan. Mm, there's this sort of growing wave of sort of people moving into the right places and she's certainly got talent there and again this weekend proved nicely to remind us exactly why she got picked to go in sort of the W Series field and yeah perfect for her really 
Um, Who did you choose then for your winner? My winner is, yeah, went for Alice Powell in the end. A fairly easy choice, but again, I think her drive this weekend just to upset the Chadwick Applecart and equally the drive that she performed as sort of on a defensive side was, yeah, quite, quite impressive indeed. And yeah, just I just can't keep heaping enough praise on what I can only describe as a Fernando Alonso-like defensive drive. And I think that's quite high enough praise indeed. That will be very nicely and will lead us nicely into our spinner section, which I will also ask you, who did you shoot with? Um, Quant Fury gals is what I've written down. A lot of the sighting laps. Yeah, same as what happened in France. And again, this was we had a lot of sighting laps at the beginning of the race that were under safety car. They were technically sort of race laps. Um, so there was a good chance that for drivers to learn where the wet bits were, where the unsafe bits were, and um, how to... and. Yeah, just it could have. They had a lot of chances to do better, and they didn't. Uh, then obviously, we had Bellin making the mistake under the opening safety car. And again, it, I don't want this to seem like I'm just picking on her for making a mistake under safety car. We've seen George Russell do it in Imola 2020, where he sort of crashed himself out of points there. At least she saved it. <laughs> yeah, she at least saved it. And again, it's easily done on a wet circuit, especially if it's unfamiliar. I don't think we had W Series at Hungary last year, did we? Yes, we did. Did okay. In which case, that sort of apology there goes out the window. But the case, the case in point is, it's, wet, it's tricky, and it is a bit of a demanding circuit. Hungary, it has elevation changes through all of it, and the surface isn't perfect. So, as much as there are some apologies to it, it is a bit of a sort of easy mistake to make. I think it's just a case of I expect better. Talking of expecting better and not apologising for it, I've chosen Emma Kim and I, because she should just know better at this point with how to overtake another driver. And you were mentioning Jess Hawkins could have been further up the grid. Well, she definitely could have been if Kim and hadn't punted into her. And it was turned one of all places, like arguably the easiest place to overtake someone at Budapest. And plenty of different ways of doing it, as we saw across all of the, the action, not just in the series, but in F1 over the course of the entire weekend. And it just seemed a little bit, I hesitate to say desperate, but a, a bit out of character. And I know that she's had a bit of a bad luck of the year so far, but at the same time, she's still not lost all that experience that she's gained up to now. And if she wants to progress further up the W Series grid or look attractive to other motorsport series, maybe outside of single-seaters or just generally, maybe a three, maybe IndyCar, maybe she wants to go anywhere, maybe Kimmy sets up an extremely team and she goes there, who knows, but doing that kind of thing isn't going to do you any favours and maybe if you want to be driving into some cars more and get away with it, you should go into Premium and Nitro RX where it's more alright for it, but in single-seaters, the damage that can do, we saw with Hawkins, it kind of left her race run and didn't help herself out in the process, she didn't really gain anything from it. So it was kind of a zero sum game for me. Yeah, just sort of a bit desperate and a bit amateur hour in a, to an extent. It was not what you'd expect mm. of a driver that we know to have a fairly high calibre of driving. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer point to end on, but yeah, I think it's a case of with a lot of the drivers with us. Let me see if I can think of something <laughs> to, to cheer us back up with the fact that. When we do come back from the summer break, we do have the final three rounds of Formula 3 squashed together in back-to-back-to-back weekends in Spa, Zandvoort, and Monza. 
and we will see a champion in, in Formula 3 in Monza, which is a great place to do a final final round. Um, and we'll see everything except the final round for Formula 2 in, in those races as well. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see who manages to capitalise on that with the immense pressure it's got on there, because we've seen it in feeder series before where, especially back-to-back weekends, never mind triple headers, where if you have a bit of a duff weekend mentally, it's even trickier to get yourself back in that right frame of mind for the following week. And maybe that will be the undoing. Drogovic, if he has a bad weekend in Spa, then who knows what will happen. And maybe someone, maybe Sergeant, maybe Porcher is there, but equally maybe fourth or fifth place looks a little bit more for it then and could go on and absolutely stomp on and make Abu Dhabi even more interesting. Um, and in W Series wise, it's a bit like Max Verstappen. It is Jamie Chadwick's championship to lose, really. And I don't even know if it's mathematically... It's probably just about mathematically possible for it to lose it, but you've got to think that's only a matter of time. And at the very least, we've seen most of the drivers have a good moment so far this season. They've all shown something at one point or another, and that is encouraging. And kind of makes me hope that we get some kind of official word from McLaren soon on what they want to be doing with W Series in 2023, if that's recruiting a couple of drivers to a development program or setting up a team in there and then maybe setting up with, with the intention of maybe having an F3 team as well to try and really show that they are serious about pushing these talented drivers through there uh, or at least giving them the opportunity to showcase the talents in another car because, again, they, they made comments as well about wanting to have a female driver Maybe Jamie Chadwick has to let Williams go and she goes from McLaren and takes Abby Pulling with her. Have kind of mm. not the old, not the older statesman because <laughs> she's only what 24, 25, but compared to Pulling, who's what 18, 19, it's kind of you've got that experience and youth uh, perfectly combined there. Maybe we get something out of that. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass just to so we've got a positive point to end on. But there's a lot of promise and potential there for all It's very much crunch time. Mm. Yeah, as much as we're reaching, reaching the halfway point of Formula One, we're sort of almost reaching the three-quarter point of most of the feeder series, where for some it's still all to play for, but for some it's still all to lose. And I think that's certainly the spicy point of uh, the feeder series in total. So, of course, we'll be back with more feeder series action around Spa. We'll obviously have our preview for Spa, which we don't tend to mention too much feeder series stuff on, unless there's big news, but we certainly have... Well, we will have- Formula 2 special coming out over the summer break where Jesse and I will be joined by a friend of the podcast and F2 fanatic Jacob Phillips where we will be going through the entire Formula 2 grid and perhaps unkindly but maybe we'll be kind as well with some drivers deciding in all our wisdom and glory who we think will actually make it to F1 at any point in the future and who doesn't stand a chance in hell. So that'll be essential listening if you want a bit of feeder series actually in the meantime. Yes, yeah, some F2 to keep you occupied through the summer break. But even if that isn't enough, you can find more of Timo across Is It Fast on the Curbs, the unofficial Nitro RX podcast. Well, it's been renamed now, isn't it? It's just the Nitro RX podcast. Nitro RX podcast, we're moving up in the world. Um, the Paddock Sorority and Instagram. You are goddamn everywhere, aren't you? I try to be. I try to be. You're all over the place like a bad suit. Harsh and very unfair. And I'm just going to brush all of that aside because you can be found on Instagram and Classic Car Weekly. 
Yes, I indeed I can. I'm still a big, uh, big supporter of print media. So you can go and actually buy printed paper with uh, my words on it. And of course, Instagram, Twitter, with uh, also the Undercut Podcast's Twitter account on there as well, if you want to complain at us, tell us things that we've done wrong, or indeed just, just wish that would be appreciated. And we'll mention the third part of our podcast because we feel like it's an obligation at this point and she'll get mad at us if we don't. Her Instagram and what's her very key takeaway? It's been a bit of a delay on for various different reasons, but we will have France and Hungary key takeaways out over some breaks so that if you are just feeling like you want to read some of our content instead of listening to it, we will have you covered there. And she also runs our TikTok, which will get more stuff on it, which hopefully the summer break is where we do that because we'll actually have time to work on that side of things. Yes. So thank you very much for listening to us for essentially the first half, the very big half of all the feeder series season. We'll be back for the concluding half slash three quarters of the rest of it after the summer break. We'll catch you then. Ciao for now.